Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Cantless. <laughs> oh, so <Of> an sad. Intro. <laughs> so sad to be missing Kent. He is prepping his life for a new edition, but the rest of the red shirts are still here. This is Matt Okada, and we have Matthew Betts, and we are back on the mic for another podcast. Betts, how are you doing in this highly news-filled and action-packed month of May in football world? Yeah, I mean... It's no August, so it's not as exciting as it normally is. But hey, OTAs are going on. Football is back in our lives. We still got some draft, you know, post-hype draft uh, stuff going on. So it is still an exciting time uh, in football. And we're definitely approaching peak fantasy season here going into the month of June, July, and of course, August. So uh, right around the corner, man. We're almost there. For sure. And uh, we're, we're into the heart of dynasty season, which is good at least. This is why... By the way, for any of you who don't play Dynasty, although if you don't play Dynasty, I don't know why you're listening to us right now, but if you don't and you just happen to drop by, this is why Dynasty is so great, because stuff is still happening right now in the fantasy world, and uh, that's what we're going to be talking about in today's pod, actually. We're going to be talking about some buy, sell, hold players, what we want to do heading into uh, this next season through this offseason as you guys start up rookie drafts and whatnot, so we'll get to that in a bit. But before we get to that, uh, we got some new stuff on our site. Betts, can you uh, can you tell our people about what's going on on RedshirtsFantasyFootball.com? Absolutely, yeah. We've had a, a very busy week over there. Articles going up every single day by our awesome writing staff. We've got some content up there uh, specifically highlighting one of our favorite players this year, Marlon Mack, a, a feature article there from Jordan uh, Armel Branford, one of our new writers, uh, as well as a Fantasy Football Losers article, which... You know, always kind of sounds mean to say, but these guys are losers after the NFL draft uh, by Jake Trowbridge. So go ahead and check that out. Um, new exciting content up there every day. We've got our rankings. Um, we've got all sorts of good stuff on redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. So please check us out there as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Hmm. Social media blitz. Redshirt style. All right. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> Let's get into some news, which there actually is this time of year, believe it or not. I got great news, guys. All righty. So, number one, Ezekiel Elliott. Why? Why must you do this, Zeke? Why are you in the news in May and never for the right reasons? So, apparently, Zeke was out at a some kind of EDM concert. I don't know the exact musical style. It's not important. But it was in Las Vegas, and... He got caught on tape getting in an altercation with a security guard, uh, and he ended up actually getting handcuffed. Not arrested is the current report. So he got detained briefly by the police, but they let him go, and there were no charges pressed. But if you watch the video, he kind of pushes up on the security guard who's backed up against a sort of fence-ish thing and knocks him over. He's clearly just very belligerent and probably intoxicated. Uh, and it's just not a good look. And it's an interesting timing for Zeke because the Cowboys apparently are in discussions with 
kind of all three of their new uh, trio of offensive stars, Deke being one of them. He's up for a new deal in a little bit. But from just the perspective of Zeke, what we expect from him, does this move the needle at all for you, Betts? I think you can use this if you're drafting in the next month, let's say, before there's any suspension that comes out, if there is going to be one. Um, again, hypothetically speaking, I don't think it's going to be much, maybe a game or two. So maybe if you're sitting at the 101 or the 102 and you're deciding between, let's say, Saquon and Zeke or Alvin Kamara and Zeke, I think maybe this is enough for me just to push him down one spot in my rankings. But to be honest, it doesn't change much. I mean, we saw, what, just a couple years ago when he missed uh, half the season with suspension. He still finished, I think, the RB10 in fantasy, which is absurd. So it doesn't really change much for me. Maybe you use it as a little bit of a tiebreaker when you're deciding between these top-tier guys. But either way, um, no, it doesn't change a lot for me. Yeah, that's a pretty good call. He's still easily my number one running back for this year in redraft formats. In Dynasty, he's not quite that high. Obviously, Saquon for sure is above him. Um, but he's still up there. The one thing I will say when, when this kind of stuff goes down is it always makes me just a little bit concerned for the long term when people are repeat offending like this. Um, so like Josh Gordon back in the day when we saw the second or third time this happened, it was, should have probably been a sign that we would maybe never see him be a consistent contributor, which we still haven't seen. And I still have a little bit of hope, but that's probably not smart. A lot of hope. For me to have that hope. Yeah. <laughs> he true. is on our dynasty um, roster after all in our team that we co Of course. Of course. <laughs> I fought very hard for that. Uh, also, you got obviously your Tyree Kill type situations. It just makes me concerned that we're going to constantly have to deal with this for him. He's going to have a suspension here and a suspension there. And I don't honestly suspect or expect one here, but it's still, I don't know, a little bit concerning. But like you said, it doesn't affect the fantasy outlook too much. Uh, moving on to some more positive news. Julian Edelman signed a two-year extension with the Patriots worth $18 million, $12 million of that, I believe, guaranteed. Uh, so that puts him on the Patriots out through 2021 because he already had a year left. Uh, potentially, some people have postulated, right with the end of Tom Brady's career, maybe they'll retire together in a cute little hands held walking off into the sunset sort of thing. Uh, any thoughts on this, Betts? Uh, I agree that that's how they're going to retire, is definitely walking <laughs> off the field at the last time uh, with their hands clasped together in... <laughs> friendship um no i think it makes True. perfect sense honestly i mean even some reports are coming out that they're talking about trying to extend brady by a year or two and yeah the timeline fits i mean obviously at some point this crazy patriots dynasty has to come to an end and if you're not a new england fan thank god um so it, it definitely kind of fits the timeline there it's good news honestly for his dynasty value i mean i think we've seen this with fits too larry fitzgerald for years people were saying okay this is the last year now, this is the last year, and then he just kept playing and playing. So, I mean, Julian Edelman, man, he's not showing any signs of slowing down. Um, I am definitely going out and buying Julian Edelman with this news because I think you can still get him for probably a second-round rookie pick. And if you have Julian Edelman for at least two years, um, yeah, that's definitely worth it in my opinion. So uh, we're going to be talking about dynasty buys and sells. He's not on our list, but if he was, buy him with this news. Yeah, 100% agreed. Super productive last year, even with the uh, four-game suspension to start the season. His numbers, if you project them out, would have been, I think, something like top 15. Uh, I don't have them in front of me, in PPR especially. Uh, but yeah, valuable dynasty asset, especially valuable redraft asset. 
going into this next season. Um, and then there's all kinds of stuff coming out about head coach slash interim GM of the New York Jets, Adam Gase, Mr. Eyeballs himself. That's definitely uh, his new nickname now on this podcast, Mr. Eyeballs. <laughs> I think he might be the worst coach in the league at this point with Hugh Jackson now gone. Not necessarily from an ability to make his team win standpoint, but just from a... I don't know what he's doing, man. He, he's not good at running a team organization. So specifically, the news this week was reports came out that he has said he did not like the signing of Le'Veon Bell, at particularly at the price tag that they signed him, uh, which was obviously quite high. He's now the second highest paid running back in the league. Uh, since then, I th believe today... He had a further press conference where they asked about, well, would you want to trade him? And he said, no, that's ridiculous. Uh, and he tried to kind of walk back a little bit. But we've seen Gase before and how he latches on to these dislikes for players. Does this cause concern for you with Bell? Is it just a silly coach speak? What do you think? I think it's a, I think it's a yellow flag. I don't know if I'm going to say it's a red flag. But, yeah, I mean, it has to raise eyebrows. Either way, like even if he doesn't believe that Bell wasn't worth the signing, um, and even if he does, like you, this just shouldn't be out in the public. I mean, you are the face now of a, a franchise in a huge market in New York as the head coach with an offense and a, a team in general that's been struggling over the last few years. How can this news come out? It's, it's terrible leadership, in my opinion, um, and probably the worst type of news for a player like Le'Veon Bell who takes this stuff Personally, I mean, we saw it with Pittsburgh and, and the holdout. So I'm concerned. I don't know that I'm necessarily like hitting the panic button for Le'Veon Bell this year, but um, not a good start in New York for for Bell. And we're going to talk about him in a lot more detail here in a, in a few minutes. Yeah, he actually does show up on the buy sell hold list. So we'll leave it there and and see what happens in a few minutes. Spoiler alert: not really. Uh, <laughs> all right, how about some uh, how about some injury news bets? What do we got on that front? Sorry, I didn't know if you were going to hit the drop or not. <laughs> I don't. I don't have a drop. I'll insert it later. Yeah, so on injury front, we've got some stuff going on here. I mean, it's definitely that time of year. Like we said, OTAs are going on. And whenever that happens, people get together. The media gets involved. Injury news comes out, whether it's good or bad. And just a kind of a word of caution here for all of our listeners. In OTAs, everyone is ahead of schedule. Everyone is in the best shape of their life. And listen, there's certain injuries where I'm going to be very vocal about this all off season. Don't believe what you hear in certain cases because you just can't speed up biology. Um, that's a little personal soapbox, so I'll move on from that. But one guy that I'm very excited to talk about right now is Carson Wentz, who was fully cleared for OTAs um, right now as of this week, which was just a couple days ago this news came out. The team just got together a few days ago, and he's reportedly doing everything out there, which is awesome news. He's coming off of that stress fracture in his lower back. Um, and, you know, I've been saying all along, I feel very confident in his ability to be ready for training camp in week one. It's an even better sign that they're letting him out there in OTAs without reservation. Now, the issue here is in OTAs, they're not doing anything with contact, especially for the quarterback. So um, take it with a grain of salt. It's certainly a step in the right direction, but I'm not locking in with 100% confidence that he is definitely ready for training camp at this point. I would say 95% confidence with this news. All right, so here's my main question with Wentz bets. Wentz bets? Wentz bets? Um, <laughs> how much of a concern are his particular injuries for recurrence 
So in other words, let's say he is 100% when the year starts. Or is there any concern that some of the stuff he's had might pop back up or cause any issues? So we have to talk about first the ACL and LCL injury in the knee. So just like every other player that's ever had a um, an ACL tear, you know they are more likely to have another ACL tear. So that's true of everyone across the board, including Carson Wentz. Um, mm. But the good news is he's now more than a year removed from that injury in his second season. So that's good because we see the re-injury rates decrease each year after they happen. From his back, that's something that we definitely want to be monitoring for sure. I mean, stress fractures happen for a reason. It's not like you have a collision that causes it. It's basically due to repetitive movements over time that are causing more stress on his back. Maybe mm-hmm. that was because of awkwardly stepping into his throws on his surgically reconstructed left leg. Obviously, as a right-handed passer, that's what you do. So if he was favoring that in any way and putting more stress on his back when he was kind of torquing the ball out of his shoulder, uh, certainly that could have some effects. So my theory here is that if he's getting stronger after the ACL and he's doing things with more confidence and moving, moving more fluidly, like he used to when he was an MVP candidate a few years ago, um, that should not have lingering effects on his lower back. And so as long as he gets through this well the first time, the re- re-injury rates for his lower back are actually quite low. Okay, that is reassuring, I think. It was a little hard to follow because there's a lot of medical ease. But I'm a big fan of Carson Wentz if we can expect him to be healthy. I think he's got weapons. I think he's got talent. He's young. I think that we're probably underrating him a little bit. He's not on our list either, but he might be a buy for me if he was. Uh, what about old, reliable Greg Olson? What do we got there? Definitely old. Usually reliable. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Olson. True. Um, yeah, man. He has had a rough few years, obviously, with the foot issues. Um, we know that at this point it's well documented with the Jones fractures, which is the fifth metatarsal, the bone on the outside. Um the first break, tried to rehab it and come back without surgery, which we know the re-injury rates are so high with that. They, they don't usually do very well. Had the second surgery, which is with the bone graft. That makes things a lot stronger, and that makes his outcome much better. However, last year, another injury, which was the ruptured plantar fascia uh, on the bottom of the foot, super painful. This is exactly what um, Peyton Manning dealt with late in his career. Uh, the issue with this is that it's all on the same foot, and so you don't like to see recurring foot issues on and on and on again on the same side. However, with more than a season removed from his original problems, at this point, we can say that it's now or never for Greg Olson. So I don't think this is going to be a situation where it'll linger off and on a few games here or there. I think he either plays 16 or it's it's a train wreck of a season. And so uh, in redraft, I mean, I think he's definitely worth a shot late. Uh, especially with the news that he was just cleared fully for OTAs. So watch him this summer, monitor what he's doing in training camp, and then I think uh, his ADP will be adjusted based off of that news. Good call. Also, I will say for Dynasty people, I think one interesting strategy that I like with tight ends, if you don't have a good, reliable young guy, which most people don't because there's only a very small handful of those, I don't mind streaming, quote-unquote, years of veteran guys like Greg Olson and or Delaney Walker. Uh, Jared Cook last year obviously was successful in this sense and could be again this year. If you can put those together by grabbing them for like a third-round pick every other year, I don't mind that because you can kind of get decent production and then move on the next year to someone else. 
All right, last one, and this one is potentially pretty impactful across the board. Chris Carson apparently coming off some surgery. What's up with that? Yeah, at this point, the exact details of what was done in the surgery aren't really known. Uh, it was an arthroscopic surgery, so little tiny portals in the knee where they go inside the joint. Those are usually done. Um, kind of, you'll hear news at this time of year that they're done in more of like kind of a quote-unquote cleanup procedure. Again, that's a junk term that basically tells us he had something done inside his knee that was probably relatively minor. Now, the only issue here is that we don't know when the surgery was, and we don't know exactly what was done, so it's all speculation at this point. Um, they've already said he won't be participating in OTAs, so really training camp is going to be our gold standard for understanding how long to expect Carson at, is out. If he's there at the start of training camp, really not a big deal at all. Um, if he's not playing as much in the start of training camp, uh, this is a bit of a red flag for me. And I think it definitely changes Rashad Penny's value. Mm. Agreed on that front. Uh, all right. That's enough injury talk because injury talk makes me sad. So let's move on to something. Sorry, man. Some more <laughs> excitement. <laughs> We're going to talk about some buy and some sell and some hold. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. All righty. So, we're going to run through 10-ish names of players that, in Dynasty, you guys might be looking at, what do I do with this guy? Or what do I do for this guy if you don't have him? Do you want to buy him off another player's team? Do you want to sell him off your own team? Do you want to hold on to him and see what happens? Largely, it's going to be an evaluation of where is their value, and is it time to pounce on that value or capitalize on that value? What's the best move moving forward for your Dynasty team? So... We're going to start it off with potentially one of the most polarizing players in fantasy right now, running back Todd Gurley of the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, so much going on here. It seems like new opinions every week. Betts, you start us off because obviously it's surrounded by injury and you've probably touched on it a few times, but maybe give us a quick summary and then what are you doing with Todd Gurley? Do you want to, should we, for the listeners, it could be fun. Do you want to do a three, two, one, we say what we're doing? Ooh, yes, okay. I like that. You, but can but can you explain the injury side first so that I can then use that in my answer? Absolutely not. Nope, I get my own info. Oh here. gosh, darn it! You count it down. All right, three, two, one. Sell. Buy. Oh. Oh. All right. Let me let all me right. tell you why I'm selling Todd Gurley at this price. So it really is all based off of his ADP at this point because if let's say this the summer goes on and if Todd Gurley starts to fall to let's say. Ninth running back, 10th running back taken in Dynasty Leagues. I'm all in on buying Todd Gurley. But at this point, RB, what did you say, six or five? Five. Five. At RB5, really, I mean, it's possible that this is this is the best chance you'll have to sell Gurley. There's a range of outcomes for Gurley this season. It could range from repeat of last year, which could be fantastic, and of course, RB1. Or it could range from... Mid-range RB2 because he misses some games with injury, um, and things just don't turn out the way they used to be for Gurley in that Rams offense. Uh, now, I do believe, even with a limited workload, I think he can be effective. But when you give, in, give the price here that the fact that it's you know first round, you have to spend your first dynasty startup pick on him to get him, you don't want to take a risk with your first dynasty pick. I mean, it could literally set you back... Uh, a couple years if you miss out on that first round pick, which in most cases is a lock. So given his injury history, 
given the fact that the arthritis isn't going to get better, it is likely going to go only get worse. He's not going to be a player that plays uh, into his 30s. I'll be very vocal and very confident in saying that. Now, granted, I believe he's only 25, so it's not like he's ancient. He'll still have a few good years left in him. But when you factor in first-round dynasty startup price, I'm selling at that price. So what you kind of said at the end there is why I consider him a buy right now, which was something to the effect of I think he still has a couple good years left. And the reasoning or the reasoning behind my buy is this. This is currently the lowest I think that Todd Gurley's price will be until the point where he completely falls off a cliff because I guess the arthritis is fully set in or whatever medical reason that may be. I'm not going to try to speak to that because it's way over my head. But this, this, where he is right now, they just drafted Daryl Henderson. They obviously re-signed Malcolm Brown. All the reasons that everyone's freaking out. Obviously, the news has been coming out over the past couple months specifically regarding this injury. We saw what happened in the playoffs. There's so much negative outlook, I suppose, on Gurley right now that I think that his price is lower now than it will be for the next one to two, maybe even three years, depending on how long he lasts. So my thinking is, you go out and buy him right now. If you don't have him, you go out and buy him right now. I don't know what it will take, but I imagine it would take a little more than a first-round pick. A little more than a mid-first-round pick. There might be someone who, who's willing to give you a, like the 101 or the 102, or take the 101 or the 102 to get Todd Gurley. And in my opinion, he's better right now than anybody else in this dynasty class. And then you sell Todd Gurley after a year or two, before he hits that drop-off point, when he's had a couple more years of elite production. Because when it comes down to it, this offense and his talent is going to create incredible production regardless of how many touches he gets. And he's still going to get a hefty amount of touches. He's probably not going to get the 315-ish that he's been getting for the past few years. But if he gets 250 touches in this offense, first of all, he's still going to have more than 15 touchdowns. And he's probably going to lead the, the entire league in touchdowns, total touchdowns, even if he gets that kind of drop-off from his touch number because his offense is going to end up in the red zone and they love giving him the ball when they're in the red zone. So I think that that's not going to necessarily reduce percentage-wise with his touch reduction. But in any case... I think that he's going to give you RB1 numbers for a couple more years, mid to high-end RB1 numbers, and then before he hits that wall, you can try to sell him, and in the long run, you'll have kind of made a profit, if you will. So that's my thinking. So that was a roundabout way of you agreeing with me that he is a sell at some point in his career. <laughs> yes. Got I it. definitely agreed there. I just think now might be an interesting time to capitalize on his price. All right. Let's swing over to... Our next guy, who's a similarly highly paid and highly touted running back, but in a bit of a different stage, or for different reasons does he appear on this list, and that is Le'Veon Bell, now with the New York Jets, no longer with the Pittsburgh Steelers of his days past. What are your feelings? Oh, oh, oh okay. We're going to do this together, right? <laughs> we can. If you want All right. To. Let's do this. All right. Let's do it together. Three, two, one. Sell. Sell. Yeah. All right. We're both selling All right. him. Kick us off. Yeah. Kick us off. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit with the news and, and Adam Gase, and it's just not a great start for Le'Veon. Um, listen, I'm, I've been a, a huge fan of Le'Veon Bell's game. I still think he's incredibly talented. But when you have to make a decision here and you're on the clock in the second round, you have to factor in, you know, we haven't seen him on a field 
in more than a year, more than a full season. Um, and at this point, you have to wonder how much true motivation there is for Le'Veon Bell. Um, just last season, last offseason, he kind of was putting stuff out on social media saying that, you know, he wasn't really going to play for less money and laughed at the idea of playing for the Jets. And now he's playing for the Jets. Like, there's just no, there's no rhyme or reason to kind of his approach here. Um, he seems like a guy who is going to start to fall off the face of the earth quickly in fantasy. Uh, I'm very concerned about that, especially long term. And you have to remember, um, his injury history is quite extensive. I mean, multiple major knee injuries, um, off the field issues left and right. Stay away from me in, in Dynasty. If I can get like a stud wide receiver for Le'Veon Bell, I'm doing that every single day of the week. Yeah, I 100% agree with you here. I I don't even know how low I'd be willing to go on the, on his on the price for Bell, but it's it's pretty low because I am just not looking forward to what's going to happen with him in this offense on this team with Adam Gase as his coach with what we've seen from Bell. First of all, he's not at OTAs. Okay? And yes, they are optional. Technically, but but he should be when there. you're a new <laughs> yes when you're a new player on a new team that's installing a new offense and you're gonna be running behind a new offensive line that you've never run with and you have a running style that is very dependent on your offensive line making good holes understanding your timing you can you should be there <laughs> come on Le'Veon it's not that hard. He posts these pictures of himself, quote unquote, working out that just crack me up at, and videos. And he's obviously clearly putting in all the work. No, show up with your team, get to know your teammates, your offensive line, take them out to dinner, meet your coach, learn, start learning the offense, get some rhythm. This is, uh, I he is just such a turnoff from a NFL and fantasy standpoint. I think he's going to have honestly a dud of a year this year and I don't know exactly what that looks like for Le'Veon Bell because obviously his production every year in Pittsburgh every game that he played when he was on the field was incredible but this is going to be bad bad like I I have him outside RB1 range he might end up cl closer to RB2 range for me or RB3 range than RB2 wow. range he might fall like towards my 20 20s low 20s I don't know but yeah it's not pretty so I would sell him now while there's still, I guess, some hope that he will be the same Le'Veon Bell before everyone sees what he looks like in this offense. Yeah. Not not like him. No, and you've been very vocal, so I have to give you credit as being someone that sticks to your guns and saying Le'Veon Bell might not be as good of a running back as we all think he is. Now, for fantasy, that's a totally different conversation because obviously in Pittsburgh it was a lock to take him in the first you know, four picks, five picks, something like that for years. Um, but when you consider the fact that there's all these factors going around him, off the field stuff, and he needs to get in football shape. Like, we don't know what he looks like on a football field anymore. Things have changed. It's not Pittsburgh. It's different. Um, so I'm with you. I think we might be, you know, when it comes to consensus, we might be one of the lowest websites or podcasts out there that are off of Le'Veon Bell this year. And uh, you're definitely leading that, <laughs> that, uh, bandwagon there so i'm on board with you i'm staying away from him all right word okay let's move over to our first wide receiver on this list and former teammate of Le'Veon bell 
Antonio Brown, obviously now with the Raiders. This may be a theme of guys moving. Not really. This is the only two guys, pretty much. <laughs> uh, but he's no longer with Big Ben. He's still the number one, obviously, and number one of the number ones of all the number ones in the league. But he's now with Derek Carr and John Gruden. So things are probably going to be a little different. What is a direction that you feel on three, two, one, Bye. hold? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we kind of agree. That's good. I mean, We're not opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I think at this price, I'm very willing to buy him, especially if I'm a contender. Because like Le'Veon Bell, his price tag may never be lower. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, of course, for years was in round one. Antonio Brown, same thing, round one without a question. And now he's almost falling to the third round in some drafts. So at that price tag, definitely go buy him, in my opinion. Um, there's too much hate on Derek Carr, in, in my opinion. I think he's a, a above average to good quarterback in this league. It wasn't that long ago that he was in the MVP conversation. Um, and when you consider what he had to work with last year, it's laughable, honestly. Jared Cook was his top receiving option. A washed-up Jordy Nelson, Martavis Bryant for three games or something ridiculous like that. Um, there, He hasn't had anyone like Antonio Brown, and I think that those two will connect because Derek Carr seems like the type of quarterback who is going to figure out who his guy is and go there often, just like he did with Jared Cook. And you don't have to have any sort of football knowledge to know that Antonio Brown is light years ahead of what Jared Cook was. Um, so I think the targets are going to be there for Antonio Brown. I think he's going to be very productive this year. I think people are sleeping on him a little bit too much in Dynasty and Redraft. Um, and I think he's in for another top five season. So I'm going to go ahead and say... Go ahead and buy him at this price, especially if you're a contender. Okay, before I give any of my reasoning, I'm curious. It's, let's say you're on a big-time contender, but you kind of need a wide receiver. Are you giving up a first-round pick plus for Antonio? I would. I would give up a first and a second to get him. All right. Okay. So that kind of feels like probably the right price and I think that's maybe why I'm in a hold state because I feel I kind of think that the consensus right now is pretty close to what it should be for AB um, I think it's generally everyone believes he'll be less productive than he was in Pittsburgh and I think that that's true despite the fact that he'll still get a lot of targets in Oakland and I think that he'll build up a decent rapport with Derek Carr you basically can't get any better than the target share and the rapport at least on the field, that A.B. and Big Ben had in Pittsburgh. So I feel like it's more likely to take a step back than a step forward and probably even more likely to take a step back than just stay the same. Having said that, I do still think he's going to be extremely productive, and I also agree with you that Derek Carr is underrated. In fact, while I'm kind of lukewarm and would say a hold on Antonio Brown, I would call Derek Carr a huge buy if you play in the Superflex League. Or if you just have awful quarterbacks in a 1QB league and you're like, okay, I'm either starting Ryan Fitzpatrick or drafting a rookie and being stuck with some serious garbage, I would go get Derek Carr. I think he's going to be really, really solid this year. We're just a couple years removed from him being in the MVP conversation. No one, I feel like no one remembers that. No, that felt like he was having ages ago. Yeah, he was having, exactly. He was killing it uh, and then got injured. So, I, and last year, like you said, he had absolutely no weapons. But past Jared Cook, his next best receiver was Jordy Nelson, who's gone. And after that, I think it was Jalen Richard. Yep. So it was not good. It was awful. And now he's got not only A B but Tyrell. So I've just hijacked this A B 
<laughs> buy, sell, hold conversation, talk about Derek Carr. But with regard to AB, I do think he's somewhere between a hold and a buy. So I think uh, I think we're we're on a good page there. All right, next guy, another receiver. Maybe sort of the uh, receiver version of Todd Gurley because his main detractors would come from the injury camp. That's going to be AJ Green, obviously for the Bengals, has been extremely productive, but has also dealt with some nagging injuries. So I know you won't explain the injuries to me before I give you my buy sell hold. So we'll start with that and then you can explain. All right, three, two, one, sell. buy. Oh. All right, you go first this time. Tell me why you're buying it, Jiggy. Oh, okay. Oh, see, this is not good because now I'm going to tell you why, and then you're going to tell me his injuries are just never going to go away. Exactly. All right. <laughs> assuming that he doesn't get injured, and I'll, I'm not going to actually assume that, but let's just talk about that for a second. Assuming he doesn't, he's one of the most productive fantasy receivers in the league. Probably a top five guy if he plays 16 games. And I think that that gets lost a little bit because of his uh, nagging injuries that have prevented him from playing 16 games. So, for but because of the injuries recently, as extremely recently as the end of last year, I think that that is the number one thought in most Dynasty owners' minds is this guy's not going to play for me, as opposed to he's an extremely productive receiver and I have a good chance to get some good production from him even if he doesn't play the whole season. So I think you might be able to get him for a slightly reduced price from what he'll produce even in, let's say, 13 or 14 games. And, I, and so, so now to circle back, I don't think he'll play 16. But I my understanding is that, well, okay, I'll just let you explain the injuries. So you explain the injuries, and then I'll circle back if I have to. Yeah, for sure. So with A.J. Green, it's all about the turf toe injury, um, which forced him to miss time last year. Obviously, he tried to come back. And I can't remember how quickly into the game, but it was the first quarter when he re-injured it and then subsequently went on injured reserve to have surgery. So um, unfortunately for wide receivers, this turf toe type of injury is big time because essentially what happens is when they go to push off at the start of the line of scrimmage, when the, the ball is snapped, they have to fully hyperextend their big toe to push off. That's the normal sprinting mechanic. And when you have those ligaments that stabilize that joint of your big toe repaired, they're more likely in subsequent seasons to undergo a process where uh, they get more wear and tear and they kind of slowly start to, again, become an issue where re-injury risk is high. Now, I'm not saying with 100% certainty that he's going to definitely get injured. I'm just saying if you're playing the odds and understanding the anatomy of what's going on, um, it's more likely to me that he doesn't play 16 than it is that he does. And the issue there then when you kind of consider is, you know, he's going to be in, entering age 31 season. If this starts to become a recurring theme for him, you have to wonder at what point does it turn the corner and become positive for him again? And I don't know that it ever does. So I think at this price tag, um, I'm willing to sell him, especially if I can get value for him closer to the season when the hype builds with training camp and week one and all that sort of stuff. I think his price tag will be um, even higher and you can sell and get a good profit on him. So for me, I'm out on AJ Green. Uh, question, how similar is this injury kind of to what des bryant had towards the end of his playing career talking about the achilles no no not the achilles but before that when he's still in the cowboys and he kind of i feel like it was a, a toe or a foot or a liz frank or something like this do you remember foot stuff yeah his was the jones fracture um similar to that mm. of uh julio jones and julian edelman 
now Greg Olson. So his was a little bit different than that. Uh, different forces, different stress. That gets more stress when you're kind of cutting in and out, putting more torsion across your foot versus just that straight plane hyperextension of the big toe. Okay. Okay, so I think I figured out where I stand on AJ Green, which is that he's going to be very price dependent because I feel like his price is going to vary a lot depending on who owns him. And I think that you are expecting the guys who expect the production and I'm expecting the guys who look at the injuries. And I think that there's probably a few of both. So if the guy in your league is really just down on the injuries and doesn't care to keep him because he doesn't think he'll even get five or ten games out of him, I think he's viable, but if they're operating off his production and expecting him to play 16, he's obviously sellable. Yeah. So one, he's a tough one. Yeah, one quick thing, too, to point out is um, there's been some talks about a contract extension with him, which is good news, but it hasn't happened yet. So something else to consider is he's playing on the final year of his deal. Um, you want to make sure that there's stability with these players, especially in the early rounds of dynasty drafts. And there really isn't in the Bengals right now. Um, he's only under contract through this season. Andy Dalton's only there through uh, next season. And then you consider that they have a brand new head coach. Uh, I think for me, the amount of uncertainty that surrounds AJ green is too high for me to invest uh, at this ADP. So that kind of just further cements him as a sell for me. Solid points. All right. Let's move on to a running back that if Kent was here, we would know his answer, but he's not. So one of us might have to speak for him. We'll see. That's going to be Damian Williams, running back unknown who's the starting running back, really, but a running back on the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, you just you just go first, and I'll, I'll tell you mine afterwards. I'm not going to say it at the same time. Okay, well, shout out to my boy Kent. I, I'm curious. Shout out to my boy Kent. Uh, I'm definitely selling Damian Williams at this price tag. Uh, I feel like I've been so negative all night, but there's some bias coming. <laughs> don't worry. Uh, listen, Damian Williams, regardless of who he's playing for, is just a guy. He is the definition of a jag. He has been so incredibly mediocre throughout his time in the NFL that I don't care that he plays for the Chiefs because even if he is fantastic this season, and I'll just say this up front, totally different opinion than in redraft so in dynasty he's definitely a sell for me in redraft i'm still interested because i think he has a good year this year but i don't think they invest in him long term he only signed a two-year deal last year um we're not sure exactly if he even is going to be the starter and he's going in the third round of startup drafts which is absurd for a guy who literally got 35 percent of his career rushing yards in five weeks last season that is mm. bizarre to even kind of fathom. So uh, I know out there Kent's listening and he's smiling and shaking his head because I'm definitely selling Damian Williams in my dynasty league. However, in redraft, I'm still interested. All right. So for me, Damian Williams is a hold. And I'm only saying that because it's a cop-out, so I don't have to pick buy or sell. <laughs> well played. <laughs> yes. Because he cannot be a buy at the price he's at currently. I don't think that's really up for debate. He's His ADP is in the third round. There, People are valuing him as the Chiefs running back. And what that looks like and what it means for fantasy is an extremely productive fantasy running back. So if he is that guy, then he might even be a little bit underpriced. The problem is I feel like his price is not really baking in the chance that he's not the guy. And not only that he's not the guy this year, 
but the chance that he gets replaced, kind of like you said, sometime in the very near future. So that it makes him not a buy for me. But at the same time, on the flip side, playing both sides here, <laughs> yes, he, I think that right now he is the guy. And I don't know necessarily how long that will last, but for one season at least, him being the guy for Andy Reid means locked in RB1. You talked about that production in a five-game stretch. I don't know if you're including the playoffs. Were you including the playoffs? No, end of the regular season. Okay, so he also was extremely productive from a fantasy perspective in the playoffs. While that was a massive portion of his career, that's because when he fi- that's when he finally got to start for Andy Reid in the best offense in the league last year. So we saw what that will produce for him, even for a Jag, which I don't dispute. If he's playing as the lead guy in this offense, if he's getting somewhere between 15 and 18 touches a game, I think he's a locked RB1. So I'm going to I'm gonna call him a hold. I'm, I'm not willing to sell him, but I'm not willing to buy him at this price. We kind of just have to wait and see what happens. I will say as a side point, because if Kent was here, he'd be harping up Carlos Hyde. And I just had to pull up Carlos Hyde's numbers really quick. Yards per touch. So he started his, his career with two seasons of 4.2 yards per touch, which is pretty... It's okay. Then he had a nice big year, 4.7 in 2016. And then in 2017, he dropped to 4.3. And then in 2018, last year, he dropped to 3.3. I don't like the direction he's trending. I feel like he's almost as much of a jag as Damian Williams at this point. I don't think he really has enough of a pizzazz or explosiveness or pass-catching ability. Nothing really stands out about him enough for him to seize a job. And I don't think Damian Williams is going to be unproductive enough to lose this job because we saw how well he performed with this job last year, at the end of last year. So I don't think that there's a very good chance he snatches a job from Damian, and I think Damian gets the first crack at it. So that's why, I'm, that's why I kind of want to have him for sure in redraft, but I'm also willing to have him in Dynasty, at least in a whole perspective, if all that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think that makes sense because you're saying – if he gets the job, you've got him on your roster, great, you start him every week. If he doesn't get the job, it's not like you're losing it's not like you're going out and buying him and selling the farm to get him and losing a ton of assets in the future. So I, I definitely can see your side of this point here where you're saying, you know what, if I got him, I might as well hold on to him and see what happens and maybe you strike gold with probably a guy that was on waivers last year. True, true, true. All right, let's move on to our first tight end and only tight end, actually, of today's buy, sell, hold list. That's O.J. Howard of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, entering his third season? Third season. Is that correct? Yep. Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't, you know, tripping. Did have some injuries last year, so maybe you can touch on that. Uh, but let's let's go 3-2-1 on this one. Buy, sell, hold. All right, 3-2-1. Hold. Buy. Ooh. I was considering hold. All right, give us give us a little bit of a rundown, and then I'll uh, pop in. Yeah, like you said, it's it's his third year in the league. Um, the first two have been what I would expect for OJ Howard and a guy like OJ Howard. Slow start to his career. Again, not a bad thing for tight ends. That's usual. Last year exploded onto the scene um, and was good. I mean, he was he was genuinely a very good player on the field. If you watched any of the Buccaneers games with both quarterbacks. So it didn't matter if it was Fitzpatrick. It didn't matter if it was Winston. Um, He produced. The issue with him, most people were saying, was Cameron Brate's going to steal some work. 
and that hasn't really happened as much in recent times. I think that trend continues, and I think he is the tight end, obviously, to own there in Tampa Bay. I mean, you consider that it's his third year in the league. You can expect even better numbers this year uh, from O.J. Howard and potentially moving forward. I mean, this guy was extremely athletic coming out of college, and I think he's only scratching the surface of what he can do. So at his price, I'm willing to hold him there and see what he becomes in this league. Um, one thing I should definitely mention before I kick it back to you, Okada, like you said, is that injury history. Um, one thing that is a little bit concerning to keep an eye on is back-to-back years being sent to injured reserve because of ankle sprains, which are of the high ankle sprain variety, so not your typical you know, roll your ankle when you step on a player's foot type of thing. Um, and those can linger. This is kind of what's going on with Leonard Fournette. So we want to make sure that he clears this hurdle. And if he can get over this hurdle this year and moving on, um, sky's the limit for O.J. Howard. So I'm going to hold him and hope that he can get there. But definitely, you know, you should be mindful of those injuries. And if things start to kind of go downhill, don't be surprised. Good info there. So here's my thing with O.J. Howard. It is going to cost quite a lot to get him, which is why I strongly considered making him a hold because anyone who owns him drafted him to be one of the best new tight ends and they still, I think, probably expect him to be that. So I don't think you're going to get him for cheap at all. Having said that, I think that starting this year, he will jump into the elite tier of tight ends, be the fourth guy behind that uh, Kelsey Ertz Kittle section at the top of the tight end position. So I am willing to spend up for that price. Uh, last year, like you said, limited production overall, only 34 catches. But I just pulled up the yards per reception from tight ends. And if you just set the minimum at 10 and get rid of guys who had one catch for 40 yards or something like that, he was number one among tight ends last year in yards per reception. 16.6. That is beastly. It's a whole yard per reception more than Kittle, well more than Gronk, who obviously didn't have his best year, but still over three yards more per reception than Travis Kelsey, way more than Evan Ingram. Howard is a guy who will beast out with the targets he gets. And I think that with a, with a healthy, healthy season entering his third year, in which I believe is going to be one of the best offenses, certainly one of the most improved offenses uh, in the league under Bruce Arians, at least a more reliable offense that's not just exploding with lightning and thunder every time the beard steps onto the field. Um, That'll happen in Miami. <laughs> true, true. Uh I think O.J. Howard is going to take a not only a third-year jump where he's, oh, he's one of the better tight ends. No, I'd like to have him on my team. But a massive, massive leap where he, like I said, is at the bottom maybe, but certainly in that elite tier of tight ends. And those are possibly, to me, one of the most valuable commodities in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. Because if you have one of those guys, you have a huge leg up over your competition on a weekly basis since there's so few of them going around so that's why i'm interested in buying oj howard all righty we'll move on to another receiver and i'm almost positive i know the answer that both of us are going to give it's mike williams of the los angeles chargers for me he's a buy bets is he also a buy for you 150 percent love mike williams i like to hear it all right tell me why you'll probably all the same reasons yeah we can probably make this quick um I just recently updated my dynasty rankings over on redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. 
He is now my 16th wide receiver in Dynasty. He is your 14th. So we are in complete unison on this one. Listen, this is Mike Williams' third year in the NFL. That's it. He's only been around for two, and he spent the first season injured. So essentially last year was really his rookie year as far as being on the field. And oh my gosh, was he good. 10 touchdowns in 2018 on only 66 targets, which is absurd. Finishing as the wide receiver, 23. When you look back at, at Rivers' career, and, and I think most people will argue his touchdown count could come down. And sure, maybe it does. Maybe it's eight, maybe it's nine. But when you look at his touchdown count over the course of his career, this is Philip Rivers. He averages more than 29 in a season. And you can't tell me that Keenan Allen is going to get more than eight. And you can't tell me that Hunter Henry is going to get more than eight. So how in the world does Mike Williams, who is the best red zone option on that team, get less than eight? It won't happen. And when you factor that in with Tyrell Williams now out of town, he has to get at least, in my opinion, probably 20 to 30 more targets and more opportunity inside the red zone. I love Mike Williams. Seventh overall pick in the draft in 2017. The talent is immense. Go get him right now because next year we're going to be talking about him as a top 15 option um, in startups, in my opinion, because I think he's going to have a meteoric rise to stardom. That was such nail hitting on the head Woo. analysis bets i'm tired after that <laughs> uh yeah mike i absolutely love mike williams he's probably one of my number one darlings for dynasty right now as far as who i would overpay for the most just to give you a perspective on the overpayment that apparently both of us are willing to, to invest we you say we ranked him at 14 and 16 in dynasty right yep so so that's the average consensus between the two of us is 15 right now According to DLF ADP, he's wide receiver 28. Oh, excuse that is beautiful. me. Go buy him right what? now. What? He's behind Calvin Ridley. He's behind Jarvis Landry. He's behind Corey Davis. What are you talking about? This is unnatural, people. Okay, bets, <laughs> bets hit on the targets, right? He had 66 last year. I You said 20 to 30 more. I think there's a very good chance he tops 100 targets which is, and maybe not even that much more than 100, maybe between 100 and 110, which is not a huge amount, by the way, for a wide receiver two on a team that passes a decent amount, which he clearly is and which the Chargers are. So I think there's almost, I'll say a 90% chance that he cracks 100 targets, which is basically one and a half times what he got this past season. So if you extrapolate his numbers, that puts him almost at 1,000 yards, basically right exactly at 1,000 yards, and something like 15 touchdowns. And that's almost exactly what I would put him down for. 15 Mike touchdowns? Mike is going to get 100 targets. Yeah, well, he had 10 last year. You can <laughs> multiply that by one and a half. I thought I was got 15 touchdowns. Guy. Good Lord. <laughs> Listen, if you ask me to predict my top three touchdown receivers, I would say Devontae Adams. I would say DeAndre Hopkins, and then I would say Mike Williams, number three in the entire league. I think he is as close to a lock besides those guys to double-digit touchdowns as you can get, and that is more important for fantasy than really anything else, but then I also think his targets are going to increase. As a result, his receptions are going to increase. With Tyrell Williams gone, Keenan Allen is a different type of receiver, and he's the type of receiver who still draws extremely tough coverage but is not going to be as much of a down-the-field, red zone, and jump ball guy like Mike Williams is. 
So I don't think that they're necessarily going to fight each other for opportunity. So that, what that means is I think Keenan Allen is going to take the number one corner a lot of the time, and Mike Williams is going to be left in single coverage with a guy who cannot handle his beastliness in every way as a receiver, and he is going to dominate, absolutely dominate, has one of the best throwing quarterbacks in the league. Everything is beautiful about the situation for me. Bye, bye, bye. I don't even know what price I would I would pay to get him. I probably shouldn't even try to think about it because it will be obscenely high, but it's certainly more than a first-round pick, potentially in the range of two first-round picks yeah. if they're lowish. I don't know. I don't know either, but I do know one thing, and that is when we go back and edit this podcast, you are 100% putting an in sync bye-bye-bye drop mm. in there because that was beautiful. Bye-bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> I just did it myself. There we go. <laughs> All right, let's move on to another receiver, kind of uh, somewhat similar from the perspective of efficiency last year on not that many targets, and that's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Had an extremely impressive year with the Seahawks last year uh, with Doug Baldwin and now with injuries, and as we now know, well, technically we don't know, but we strongly believe that Doug Baldwin is retiring which kind of leaves Tyler Lockett as the figured wide receiver one on that team, quote unquote wide receiver one. Certainly he's not a, doesn't necessarily profile as that, but from a target standpoint, you would think he might be the guy. Buy, sell, or hold, where are you at, Bets? For me, he's definitely a buy. Um, he and Mike Williams, I think, are my two biggest buys this offseason because of the fact that he's just now hitting his prime. Um, he's still only 26 years old. He's got one of, if not, you could argue sometimes the best quarterback um, at times, maybe not every week, but at times in the league in Russell Wilson from a pure like winner standpoint, he's amazing. And when you look at what Russell Wilson has done throughout the course of his career, he is insanely good. In 2017, he had 553 pass attempts. The volume was huge. In 2018, he only had 427, but threw one more touchdown. So this guy's been playing out of his mind for years and I want his wide receiver one. Doug Baldwin has been fantastic in the slot role in that offense. And there's rumors that Tyler Lockett's going to move inside the slot. We know Ty, uh, DK Metcalf, excuse me, is going to be on the team. Yes, he'll take some away, but he's raw. He's a rookie. I mean, they don't have anything else outside of those two guys. And even if they move to more of a run approach, it doesn't matter because Tyler Lockett is efficient. He's going to get more volume this year. And even if his efficiency comes down, he's still going to be a top 18, I think, wide receiver in fantasy. So at his wide receiver, almost 30 price. Yeah, buy him everywhere if you can. Yeah, that pretty much covers every point I would have said. He's also a buy for me. I don't think people are reacting to his production last year quite to the degree that they should be. And then also this recent news with Doug Baldwin. In fact, I just noticed that I haven't updated my rankings since the Doug Baldwin news came out. So I'm going to have to do that and move Tyler Lockett up because he's too low for me. This is the guy you're going to want. I don't. I think just like Mike Williams, there's very, very, very little chance he does not top 100 targets. If he doesn't top 100 targets, either DK Metcalf's the wide receiver one, or Russell Wilson fell off a cliff completely, and this team set a, a rushing attempts record. So, with that, with efficiency showed last year and a target bump, this is a guy who could easily lock in as a, a week-to-week wide receiver two and have plenty of wide receiver one performances. I don't know if you know the stat bets. I just remembered it off the top of my head. But 
Russell Wilson had a perfect passer rating when targeting Tyler Lockett last year. It's the first time that's ever happened in the history of the NFL. That is that absurd. Receiver has, it is disgusting. They were out of control, and I think it continues this year. So love it. Bye. All right. One, we got two more guys. And this next one is certainly a uh, contentious one. And that is Tevin Coleman. Running back, now Lee. Now Lee? Now, That's not a word. Now <laughs> newly added. Now newly, I think is what I was going for, added to the San Francisco 49ers. Huge stable of running backs. However, it apparently the stable is full of, I don't know, things that injure horses, whatever that would be. Nails in the ground? I, because that's all out of, of my guys, scope. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> all of these guys are coming up limp lately. Uh, tell us what's going on with the 49ers and what you feel about Tevin Coleman. Yeah, so let's start with the 49ers backfield as a whole. I mean, obviously, Jarek McKinnon is coming off the torn ACL, which happened literally the week before the season started last year. So he'll have a full week to recover. I'm not concerned about him being available this season. I don't think he's going to be a workhorse in that in that backfield. So I think there's going to be room for Coleman there to get some work, which is good. When you look at Matt Breda, he has a partially torn pectoral muscle, um, which is not a big deal. He'll, he's going to be fine this season, and I don't really have any concerns about it, despite the fact that he's not going to be there in OTAs. Uh, Raheem Mostert is now having a second surgery to address uh, his forearm fracture. He had a setback there and had to have surgery again. So it's unclear exactly when he'll be ready to go uh, in the offseason program. So definitely he's a question mark. So this backfield, which at one point seemed really muddy and confusing, I think is starting to come to a little bit more clarity. Um, Certainly all those players will be used at some point this season, but I think it really is becoming mostly a two-headed backfield or or a two-person race there to be the lead running back in this offense so for me Tevin Coleman is a hold because I want I want a running back in this offense personally I don't care if it's Jared McKinnon or Tevin Coleman but when you factor in that you had to pay so much because of the hype that surrounded Tevin Coleman in free agency for what you paid to get him I don't think it's worth reselling at this point because it's going to be way less in terms of the price you had to pay to get him you can't you can't get what you got him for All right. So, first of all, I just have to ask you one quick thing about Matt Breida. I know you don't I believe you don't really like the term injury prone, but does it apply to him now? I think he is more prone to recurring ankle injuries. Um we saw it last year, multiple ankle sprains on the same side as well as an additional ankle sprain on the other side, and that's something that, you know, again, I'll say it again, like we just talked about a few minutes ago is a Leonard Fournette type of situation. So, yeah, I think it's probably a fair label when you talk about his his ankles. When you talk about his pecs, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, w- when we're breaking down this 49ers backfield, like you said, you definitely want to have a guy in it. For me, with the what we've seen from Brita and his ab- inability to stay on the field for whatever reason, it may be pecs or ankles <laughs> or whatever, uh, and now most are dealing with this problem. I don't know exactly. He'll be okay, I assume, sometime in the season, right? Yeah, sometime he'll be back. It's just unclear okay. when yeah. surgery is or was. Right. Sure. So with that, it's kind of more down to these two guys. Like you said, the clarity has sort of come through. And for me, I'm going to side with the Jarek McKinnon over Tevin Coleman for two reasons. Number one is the price right now. So 
Dynasty Startup ADP, Coleman is the RB32, McKinnon's the RB37. So McKinnon is or McKinnon is less expensive. Coleman has jumped him, and I think that that's obviously largely because of the hype of the fact that they just signed Coleman with McKinnon already on the team. But I feel that that was a Shanahan liking Coleman, having experience with him, wanting to have another guy get this running back depth. Maybe he knew Matt Burita apparently couldn't stay healthy. Uh, they're paying him less than they're paying McKinnon. Shanahan was raving about McKinnon last offseason, and I think he's going to be, A, have the first shot at the car- the primary carry load, and B, for sure have the majority of receptions uh, out of this backfield, which is extremely important to me, uh, not only for just in PPR leagues for the fact that you get an extra point, but I think that that keeps him on the field a little bit more in this offense. But aside from that, this offense is going to support two running backs, I believe, to a decent level. We saw it with Shanahan with this exact same guy, Tevin Coleman, in Atlanta when Devontae Freeman was literally the number one running back in fantasy and Tevin Coleman was also useful. Shanahan knows how to get a lot of value out of these guys. They might switch in and out a decent amount, but that might not be too bad for Jarek McKinnon because obviously he's not a huge 220-pound guy who's going to smash it up two times on first and second down and then also get that pass catching work and stay healthy all season. I don't necessarily mind him getting a little bit of spell from Coleman. And I think that it'll make the offense uh, all in all very good and get them down in the red zone a lot, which is good for everybody. So Jarek McKinnon for me is a buy. And as a result, Tevin Coleman for me is going to be a sell because I think that you can sell him at a price where people expect him a little bit to be the guy. And I don't see him as that. So if you have him and someone's willing to pay up for what they expect to be Shanahan's number one, uh, I would do it. All right. Very last man. We will wrap it with Anthony Miller. An interesting second-year receiver out in Chicago. Uh, what are your feelings about Anthony Miller, Bets? Anything uh, popping for you? Oh, it's popping. It is popping. Um, I'm going to go full in sync here and say – Bye 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 as well mm. because he's a very solid prospect coming out of Memphis and he's entering his second season. Mostly my my love for Miller here and my intrigue with him is he's so cheap. Um, and the second reason is he's now getting his second year in the league, his second year with Mitch Trubisky, who's also entering you know a second season with the offensive scheme and Matt Nagy. So it's all. It's all another year, and nothing is really changing outside of David Montgomery at the running back position. So everyone was new around Mitch Trubisky last year. Allen Robinson was new. Anthony Miller was new. Trey Burton was new. And now there's going to be a lot of clarity and uh, congruency heading into year two. And I think Miller now oversteps Taylor Gabriel as the wide receiver two in Chicago. The other reason that I really like uh, Miller is because last year he was playing with a torn labrum in his shoulder which uh, dislocated twice throughout the season. And so anytime you see these recurring shoulder instability issues, they have to have surgery in the offseason to address uh, the torn labrum and repair it to help create more stability. So he was limited last year in terms of his catch radius because he played with a brace all year. And now he'll play without the brace. He'll be able to get his arms overhead to make some of those difficult catches. And obviously more catches means more opportunity and more fantasy points. So I like that. I've been very high on Miller, and I think the time to buy is now before he blows up this year and next year. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good call. I'm also a buy on Anthony Miller. Uh, for one thing, kind of like we've talked about tight ends being slow to start, I feel like since we saw the explosion of the 2014 class and assumed that we could get wide receivers making Pro Bowls and dominating fantasy in year one, now we've come to realize again, oh, that's not really the case. It kind of takes a year or two with them to really break out. And I think that we can see that with Anthony Miller coming into 2019. He is very, very, very talented, like you said. And we saw that in flashes last year. There was a game against Detroit where he had a 122 yards and a touchdown on only five catches. And there was also, that was at the end of a stretch, by the way, when he came back from that shoulder injury, where he had, in a row, seven targets, seven targets, six targets, six targets. As a rookie. So I like to see a stretch like that. He kind of disappeared as the year went on. Um, but I think that he kind of pops back to that kind of range, if not a little bit higher this year, as he takes a step forward just from a you know prospect learning the system and how to play in the NFL kind of standpoint. And I don't think that Allen Robinson, I'm souring a little bit on Allen Robinson. I don't know if he can be the elite wide receiver one that maybe the Bears hoped that he could be and that we saw one time with the Jaguars when he had like 270 targets back in that one season that Blake Bortles did nothing but fling it in his general direction. Oh, he bortled um, all over the place. Bortling everywhere. So much bortling. <laughs> Uh, but so the, the, my point there is I think there's a decent chance that Anthony Miller within the next year or two, maybe two, but possibly one year becomes a wide receiver one in this offense, or at least kind of a one B with Allen Robinson. And I don't think people necessarily expect that from him right now. I think he's certainly less valued than like a Calvin Ridley from last year. Um, and I would probably rather have Anthony Miller. Uh, it's close. But certainly from a value standpoint, Anthony Miller's got way more uh, value than Calvin Ridley. So give me Anthony Miller. I'll buy him. I like it. And that's our full list. That's all our buy-sell holds. Uh, you want to wrap us up? I will do that, yes. Um, we should go out and make some trade offers in the team that we own together mm, with these guys in mind. Yes. Oof. Do we have any of these guys? Uh, I think we I think we have one or two, but we don't have a lot of them. So let's go buy some guys. Um, right. And you all should do the same out there in, in your dynasty leagues. Sell and buy the guys that we're you know promoting here and, and talking about, giving our reasons for. We thank you a lot for joining us tonight, talking about these dynasty buys, sells, and holds. Um, if you're looking for some off-season fantasy football action, head over to Draft, play some best ball, just like we did on our last episode, and use the code RedShirts mm. when signing up. Um, when you're making your first deposit, we would greatly appreciate that. Look for more content on RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com. We'll be back next week, starting with our very, very special guest um, list this coming off season. It's going to be so fun having all these guests on. We've got a great lineup scheduled here moving forward, and we got that starting up next week. So uh, stay tuned. Bets, do you remember the uh, commercial with the hundred years thing and the party, the birth, the party with the cake? No, I do not. You know what I'm talking about? Nope. Come on. Come on, man. You saw this commercial <laughs> with all the NFL stars and they were throwing a gold football around. No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, all the listeners know because it was during the Super Bowl. Everybody saw this commercial. There was like 20 huge NFL stars in this commercial. The point And Ninja, by the way, Fortnite star. <laughs> the point of this is that that's basically what our uh, offseason is going to be like on the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast because there's going to be all the stars. I can get behind Clearly, that. Clearly, it's not hitting home with bets. No, I have a very <laughs> blank look on my face right now, but hopefully everyone else driving in their car is nodding their head 
that they understand because I do not. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Anyway, it's time to get out of here. We're off the rails officially. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> and as always, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.